and welcome to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm Sarah Sprickfeiner, Senior Reporter for Glossy Pop, and your host for today's episode featuring Kyle Leahy, CEO at Glossier. Leahy took the helm from founder and previous CEO, Emily Weiss, in May 2022. Leahy ushered the brand into Sephora, a marked shift from its solely D2C strategy before her tenure, and has increased its cadence of new launches. On this episode of the Glossy Beauty Podcast, she speaks about the brand renewing its partnership with the WNBA, its upcoming store opening in Las Vegas, and finally addresses rumors that its best-selling fragrance, Glossier U, had been reformulated. Here's my conversation with Kyle. Hi, Kyle. I am so excited to welcome you to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. This is an episode I have personally been very much looking forward to. Um, I have been following your tenure at Glossier since you launched. I've been lucky enough to talk to you a number of times following the brand through 2023, a college tour, a renewed partnership with the WNBA, of course, the launch into Sephora. We're going to talk about all of that, but also to kick off 2024, the brand just launched an eye cream. I would love to hear about that launch and some of what's on deck for the new year. Well, thanks so much, Sarah. It's such a pleasure to be here and with you, and I'm really excited to chat today. Um, to your point, maybe we'll start by talking a little bit about 23, and then we can talk about 24 and what's ahead, and I'll, I'll hit on eye cream, which is our first major launch of the year, already under our belt. Um, so 2023 was a transformational year for Glossier. We really had a mission as we set out into enter last year on how do we bring more Glossier to more people and really ignite the brand into the marketplace, and certainly feel like we did that in a really exciting and innovative way starting in early 2023 with our launch at Sephora, as you mentioned. I'm sure we'll talk about more talk about that more today, but an incredibly exciting and powerful launch for our brand last February and has been the results of that have been really incredible and surpassed all of our, our wildest dreams and expectations um, to taking over New York and our Soho store flagship opening, which is an important part of our retail strategy. We now have 11 stores, 10 in the US and one in the UK. And really seeing our community come to life, waiting in line, that Soho opening, our first customers were in line at 1 a.m. the night before, standing in the rain. Um, And so that really kind of community activation, seeing that come to life at retail, incredibly important. And then a lot of brand activation, as you spoke about, like our partnership with the WNBA or our You Look Good Tour. Uh, we also continued our grant program and launched that not only um, in the U.S., but brought it to the U.K. for the first time ended the year with our Realms of You pop-up, which is an experience about our fragrance, Glossier You, which maybe we'll talk about a little bit today, uh, that we're really excited about and is, is showing its resonance as the number one fragrance at Sephora. So an incredible um, year in activation for this brand. And for me, it's, you know, we're entering 2024 and uh, it's Glossier's 10th anniversary this year, um, 10 years since our founding. And when I look at everything that we have achieved together last year and over the last 10 years, to me, it just excites me about the longevity and resilience of this brand. Like it's never been more relevant. I think the brand has never had more momentum. We're at record revenue levels and and we're just seeing so much community connection with this brand across the world. And we're really just getting started. So um, you and I have often talked about how I believe we're in kind of year 10 of building a hundred year brand. And, and we're now hitting that 10 year mark and we're we're entering it with as much momentum as we've ever had. And, and I think with as much brightness and light for what's ahead, not just in 24, but for the years ahead to come. 
I mean, I knew it was 10 years intellectually because I covered it when it launched 10 years ago, which, wow, crazy. But hearing it really puts like a point on it. Okay, so 10 years, that's major. And I imagine that there's plans to mark that. Um, That's huge. Why kick off the 10th year with an eye cream? Yeah, I mean, I think so much of what we're always focused on is what our community is looking for as we think about bringing our life, our brand to life um, for our community. So uh, first to comment on the, at the 10 years, I mean, I think it's so powerful, especially in the beauty industry where you see a lot of kind of of the moment brands, maybe celebrity driven brands or uh, brands that kind of come and go. The longevity and resilience of this brand now 10 years in, uh, I think is just so, so powerful and something that I'm certainly really inspired by. Um, so when we thought about, okay, how do, what's the future look like? For us, we are really, um, so much of our, our go forward strategy is taking the very best of what made Glossier Glossier and elevating it, unlocking it, and bringing it to more people. And so much of that ethos is not only changing how the world sees beauty, which is our which is our vision, but um, going back to a lot of the tenets that Emily first uh, wrote in that very first blog post, which was so much about beauty in everyday life and how do we celebrate beauty it, wherever you are in that beauty journey. And the notion of you look good being so much about how you feel and feeling joy and feeling confident. And then from a product tenant standpoint, so much of our origins are really around skin first, makeup second. And so we felt it was really um, prudent to come with our first launch of the year as a skincare launch, um, an eye cream full orbit, um, which was a highly anticipated product from our community, something we saw requests for and search, search for and really continue to see our community looking for it. And so much so that um, you'll get a kick out of this. We launched uh, our Reddit community. You know, we have a very oh. meaningful and powerful <laughs> Reddit community. <laughs> And they picked up on the launch um, a few weeks early. Um, our community is extremely excited when we launch new products, and this was no exception. And so our Reddit community um, grabbed it to the extent that we even accelerated our launch by 11 days in our plan and brought it to market early, really feeling like we wanted to get it out, get it out into the world quickly, seeing that response. So I think it's a real testament to how much our community is engaged with us and excited about what Glossy is bringing to market, but also kind of the nimble and agility we have as a, yes, we're a very, very big and important brand and culture, but we also stay super nimble and entrepreneurial and, and really try to be responsive when we have those opportunities. I was hoping you would mention that. Basically what happened, correct me if I'm wrong, is it got put out on the shelves a little early and there was so much excitement that you guys were like, guess we have to move up the launch. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that, <laughs> um, which isn't always like best laid plans, but also I think really important as a community driven brand and one that really stays connected that we ultimately it's about how do we bring products, experiences, messaging um, to our community in a way that really is is resonant. And we stay focused on that. And if that means we need to change our plans, we'll, we'll change our plans. And uh, yeah. the community response has been incredible. The 4.8 stars and the um, kind of community resonance of the product and how it's really um, connecting with our, with our customers has been really powerful. So we're excited about what it means for our skincare business. Eye cream is such a fascinating product to me because like when you initially think of an eye cream, I think you think of an older demographic, but we also live in this world where uh, you've seen the headlines. I've written some of the headlines uh, of, you know, 10-year-olds wanting to shop at Sephora, five-year-olds. I mean, it's getting really crazy out there and Glossier has part of the agility of the brand has been that you guys are reaching a generation that was not... Um, a beauty consumer when you launched. And, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about today was the brand sort of evolving Gen Z strategy with the the college tour being part of that. How, you know, 
not just with the eye cream, but how does all of that play into, you know, how the brand will continue to reach Gen Z in, in 2024? And are you seeing, I guess, I don't know if you know this, which is totally fair, but like, were you seeing a Gen Z demand? Was Gen Z on Reddit being like, yes, give us this eye cream. We want to correct our wrinkles and dark circles too, you know, like what's going on there? Yeah, I mean, I think it's such, an, uh, it's such a good question. It's so core to, I think, what makes Glossier particularly unique. And it ties to that 10-year resilience I was speaking about, which is that that Glossier is such an iconic but multi-generational brand. You know, we were born kind of a millennial era and generation, but we've shown that the, the brand has the ability to do, which I think the most iconic brands across categories can do, which is when you can shift from one generation and kind of connect then make the leap to the next generation without losing your core your core demographic. And, and we see that, um, you know, in the millennials, we see it in Gen Z, we see it in Gen Alpha. Um, you know, my niece is, is just turned 11 and I, um, I live it at her. She just had her 11th birthday party with an overnight sleep over of um, skincare products, lots largely sponsored by Glossier, but um, you know those that type of resonant. We see that in our stores. We see eight, nine year olds in line at the stores with their mothers. You know, so it is this multi generational. Um, you know, I liken it to um, you know the Taylor Swift effect. Probably the same story that I went to. I had the honor of seeing Taylor uh, earlier this. I guess it was uh, last spring um, because my mom, who's 80, wanted to go to see, she's nearly 80, wanted to go see Taylor Swift. And she's like, who's going with me? And we were all like, well, of course we're going. And so I went with her and then my niece. So it was three generations of us that went at eight. You know, my niece was um, nine or 10 at the time to to 80. And um, and I think what's so powerful about what Taylor has done is obviously she makes great music and, and people really resonate with that. But why my mom wanted to see her, and I think what she's done is that people like what she stands for. They want to be a part of what she represents. Uh, and that is why my mom, she's like, I like what she represents and I like what she stands for. And um, that is a values-based brand. And Taylor's created that. Uh, and that's why people yeah. are, are, it's resonating across no matter where you are in your life because you can identify and you want to be part of it, whether it's different stories she's telling at different moments over her eras. And Glossier carries a lot of those same tenets. And to me, that does, we also resonate 8 to 80. Is It's because people want to be a part of what this brand represents, what this brand represented 10 years ago, what this brand represents today, what this brand has meant to beauty and even outside of beauty, which is that it doesn't matter what you look like or where you come from or what where you are in your beauty journey. You look good and you're welcome here. And we want to celebrate your beauty journey with joy and with confidence. And we want you to feel the best version of yourself. And that was revolutionary 10 years ago. And Glossier really kind of created that and led the, led the way there. And we are only accelerating that through our grant program, through our WNMBA partnership, through our product launches and how we're bringing the brand to market, through how we're expanding around the world, um, and through our female leadership team, through the impact work we do at every store on the local level. So it's all highly interconnected. And I think it's hugely important to what makes Glossier such a standout, I think, in the beauty industry because it, it is so much deeper and so much bigger and so much more transcendent um, because of those things and because of that values connectivity. That was the best analogy ever. I'm going to be thinking about that for days. I need to make a quick um, request for a Glossier X Taylor red lipstick. <laughs> that would be my dream as a diehard Swifty. Um, just, you know, a little dream collab idea. Um, that's incredible. I, I think it, I mean, I have about 9 million follow-ups from that and I, we're going to touch on a lot of them, but, you know, g- sticking with the younger demographic for now, there's been 
some interesting things happening at Glossier. Lots going on on social media, as always. Also, well, we'll get to that. First, I'd love to hear about how um, how Glossier will leverage social platforms in 2024. Plans to grow on TikTok. Uh, obviously, the brand built its base on Instagram. Um, how it will continue to use both platforms, maybe other platforms. Obviously, there's a, a very loyal uh, fan base on Reddit. Are you guys engaging there? What's what's going on across social? Yeah, I mean, it's so critical to the, again, kind of our roots, which is we were born of and fueled by our community. And it was very much the integration of social content and commerce coming to life. And so that's very much at the heart of how we think about our strategy and how we're driving Glossier go forward. But I think our social platform engagement is is one of the best proof points of this multi-generational connectivity that the brand has. So we are seeing continued growth on Instagram, which is, resonates more with a millennial base when you look at the demographics of, of that platform. And we're seeing 2,000% growth in our monthly followers. So seeing on, a lot of brands are seeing declines on that platform. We're actually seeing growth and expansion, which to me really signals connection with that core millennial consumer and that platform. Then on TikTok, we're seeing exponential growth. So last, since we launched at Sephora last year, hashtag Glossier has gone from 1.2 billion views to 2.7 billion views. So more than double and nearly 3 billion views of hashtag Glossier on TikTok, which is obviously where Gen Z is getting their beauty discovery and where they're really resonating. So even those two proof points to me really demonstrate how the brand is connecting both that millennial and that Gen Z uh, consumer. And we're continuing to really put forth both of those platforms as key priorities for us uh, in 2024 and beyond. And then we are always really active listening. We are involved in our Reddit community. We can do a lot of social listening. Uh, we participate in those forums to really, um, really have participation in that conversation. Glossy has always been about fostering, not about having a one-to-one, but how do we participate in the conversation with our community? So that remains critically important to us. And then we always keep our heads kind of up and out looking where the puck is going and testing testing new things or testing new platforms as we think about our, our e-commerce strategy, our social strategy, and our team is uh, constantly kind of testing and learning on different platforms. So we'll always be moving the puck forward as well as we think about where social commerce and um, e-commerce is moving go forward. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back with the rest of our episode. Yeah, I mean, there's so much buzz about Glossier. I know there's some amazing stats. A bottle of you sells every 40 seconds. That's correct. Yeah. 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 Number one number one perfume in Sephora, which we're thrilled about. And and what I love about Glossier U is it's being sold off our makeup gondola. So if you go into a Sephora, we're not even in the fragrance section. So it just as a as a brand person, you're always and a products person, you're always looking for those like little tidbits, those little indicators of like where the consumer is really leading and where they're voting. And Glossier U, I think, is is so that um, it's been a fragrance that's been built very untraditionally. It hasn't been the the traditional fragrance playbook. It's largely been organic, social. Uh, we had a great TikTok last year that went viral with Bitcoin Poppy and and uh, and then seeing our Sephora launch and how the she's finding it on the gondola and she's seeking it out. And so we're leaning in there. We're accelerating around fragrance. We're building out product capability and marketing capability and commercial capability. So you're going to see a lot more exciting things from us in 2024 on fragrance and in the next few years, because uh, certainly we think there's something very resonant with the customer here that we, and we can truly be the next generation's fragrance. You know, I think um, we think about, you know, the next Chanel number five, like Glossier can and should, you know, occupy that space. And and for this generation that's looking 
for a fragrance that embodies individuality and um, and really represents, I think, where you are on your beauty journey. Um, nothing does that better than Glossier U. So we're really excited. Clearly, this hasn't impacted the scent's popularity, but there's been a lot of speculation about whether or not it's been reformulated, which is something that I don't believe the brand has ever addressed. And I'm wondering what you can tell us to sort of clear the the speculation on that. What should people know about if the scent actually changed or not? So we always, as, as you know, Sarah, you know, regulations are constantly dynamic in the beauty industry and we um, take those really seriously and we make sure that we're staying and we do always do the right thing and stay connected with that. So we did make some tweaks to um, Glossier U several years ago, given regulatory requirements, but we've worked very closely with our perfumer. We feel really confident that the the perfume that's in market is, is very much the iconic Glossier U and obviously the consumer is voting. So we look at that, um, that perfume that has been launched at Sephora is that that original scent. And we're really excited about um, the consumer really connecting to that. You heard it here first, guys. And it's since expanded to a deodorant um, as well, correct? Yeah, we really, we brought the used scent into, and you're going to continue to see both the expanded formats. So we have, um, you know, Rollerball and a larger XL spray, and then we brought it to de- deodorant um, and really continuing to see how we can bring you to life. Uh, you know, one of the things I think that is so powerful and compelling about Glossier U is that it truly smells a little different on everyone. Uh, when you think about the composition of the formula, it's, it's intentionally missing kind of that top note such that you are the top note, top note and you complete the fragrance and the thumbprint and the name and the whole franchise. So for us, we're really um, continuing to tell that story about how you can be kind of complete your fragrance and build out your for- fragrance wardrobe, whether that's in different products or different formats, and then building around Glossier U uh, as we think about Glossier really entering the fragrance game in a really meaningful and powerful way. And I think it's a huge uh, opportunity for us for years and years to come, and we'll be continuing to invest uh, in that. And you'll see some exciting stuff from us this year and in the years ahead. Amazing. I'm excited. Um, I'm I'm going to be trying to get the scoop about next fragrance launches uh, when we're... When we're- <laughs> Later. Um, amazing. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, I, you guys have launched a couple of products in, in jumbo format, which really shows that people have sort of a insatiable, you know, they're wanting more, which is interesting because I've heard a lot of chatter in the past couple months about the popularity of minis. Um, so I was intrigued that you guys were actually kind of doing the opposite. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, we, I mean, we both have, I think what's the power of kind of our multi, both multi-category, but multi-dimensional product offering is that we, we bring what our community and customer is looking for. And so we have minis in both After Bomb and in Milky Jelly Cleanser, which allow for that traveler on the go and kind of everyday use. And then loud and clear, we heard our customers love these products so much that they're hoping to have uh, more of them and more eco-friendly sizes and bigger sizes. So, um, so that allowed us to do the jumbo size. So I think for us, it's about listening closely to our customer, what they're looking for, the products they love, how do we bring them and kind of amplify those key iconic superhero products more and more. So pivoting a little, um, you guys did the college tour, the grant program. I know that some of these programs are continuing. Would love to hear about what we should know about where those are, you know, continuing to expand in the new year. 
Yeah. I mean, our, our social impact platform is incredibly important to, you know, to me, what motivates me every day is that we are, we are living up to our mission from the very beginning, which is to change how the world sees beauty. And that means creating a brand, like we talked about, that is, that is inclusive, that is democratic, that lets you celebrate where you are on that beauty journey. So we're continuing to launch product, brand activations, and continuing to lead the industry forward. I think both culturally and in, across the industry in our brand positioning. Uh, the second part is the company that we're building, which is we are a female-founded, female-led, entirely female leadership team. We have this incredibly modern and diverse workforce that inside and outside of beauty, diversity of background and experience, and really leading on how do we build a modern beauty company, things like hybrid work and things like cultural engagement that I think really allow us to tap into groups women, young parents, those that are taking care of aging parents, people of color who've been often excluded from uh, the traditional paradigm of work. And, and we're flipping the flipping that on its head and saying, we can build a company that can uphold these values and also allow people the level of uh, flexibility and still deliver amazing results, which we're currently showing. And then the third part of that and changing how the world sees beauty is putting our money and our time where our mouth is, which is around our impact work. So how do we not just aim to change the industry through the brand we build, but how do we change the industry itself and the structure of the industry itself? So our grant program is hugely important to that. Um, started in 2020, we're continuing that, continuing to grow it each year. We took it to the UK last year. Um, so little venture capital funding goes to um, people of color and beauty is no exception. And so how do we continue to point our resources and use our platform to help lift some of these black beauty business founders um, up? and I love seeing kind of the cohorts every year we add more and more and it becomes this kind of, uh, we just had our graduation um, right before the new year of this year's cohort. And it really is a community of, of year over year of, of all these founders who can rely on each other and can learn from each other. And we learn a lot from them. And so we'll continue that. We have our charitable partners that we partner at every store, as you know. Uh, we have a unique merch item that every store is associated with that we did give a donation back to a charity in that um, in that local market, whether it's the Sadie Nash pro project in New York or the uh, Art Civic Society here in Boston, that we are able to to really um, continue to to celebrate and use our platform to lift up. And, and then you're going to see us continuing to move forward on our impact work, civic engagement, our partnership with Unite. It's obviously a voting year this year. Um, so how do we think about um, civic engagement? How do we think about the next frontier of uh, diversity, inclusion, and accessibility? So we're going to continue to be be moving forward on how, how do we really change the industry and hopefully change the world through using Glossier's platform for good. That's super interesting. Any plans that you can share? Uh, will you guys be engaging around the election at all? Nothing that I'll share right now. We have used in, in the past, we've used uh, our partnership with the WMEA and, and our partnership with Ignite in the past to, to encourage voting. But uh, we just always try to use our uh, platform at culturally right moments to make sure that we're uh, having impact and change in the right way. I love that. Speaking of the WNBA, uh, our producer on this podcast was actually informing me that it was a really breakthrough uh, season for the league. They, yeah. um, they broke records around TV viewership, game attendance, and digital engagement. And I was wondering, based on that, you know, has that impacted your partnership with them? Did you guys see a boost on your end, you know, because of their success and with the new season starting in May, anything new or new players you guys will be working with that you can uh, share with us uh, moving forward as that partnership continues? 
Yeah, we're really excited that our partnership continues in 2024. Um, I think it's so meaningful. We were one of, we were the first beauty brand. And I think one of the first brands, when you think about the WNBA back in 2020, uh, I think there's been a lot of press and a lot of momentum around uh, women athletes and how brands can partner with them. I'm really proud that Glossier was at the forefront of that with our partnership with the WNBA and um, continues to lead in that space. I think it's so important. These women are incredible, not only athletes, but they're mothers, they're entrepreneurs, and the statistics around the the disconnect between the men's leagues and the women's leagues on viewership, on media value and others are, are pretty staggering. And so I think it's it's really important that we are putting, again, our money where our mouth is and elevating the attention on um, how we can increase the viability of these leagues, the performance of these leagues. And so the league success is our success. And we view that as vice versa, is that kind of um, rising tides can rise all boats. So we're excited about continuing to partner with them this year. We're looking at things like court refurbishment that we do in partnership with them uh, or sponsorship of their individual athletes in our campaigns, um, events that we do with them or community events or influencer events. So it's it's very multifaceted, our partnership, but we, we view it as we have very aligned values uh, and how we can use our platform to help empower women, uh, particularly women of color and how do we continue to make sure that we're uh, accelerating and uplifting those voices so we can drive outsized change in each of our industries and hopefully um, for the broader landscape as well. Glossy covered the renewal of the partnership in 2023, and I will make sure to, you know, link to that story when we, in the story that goes with this podcast. But for those who don't know, um, would you mind just telling us a little bit about what it entailed in 2023? Yeah, totally. Um, so our partnership goes back to 2020 when we were the first beauty brand um, to partner with the WNBA, and we've only accelerated and expanded our partnership there. I think the most exciting launch we did in 2023 was our Stretch Foundation launch, which we uh, shot entirely outside, which was, um, we really feel, a differentiator and a first for the beauty industry to, to truly take our ethos of uh, kind of come as you are and um, and shoot a product and natural beauty outside. And that featured several of our WNBA players uh, and then some of them did get ready with me or into the gloss uh, features that really allowed us to tell their stories. As I said, they're very incredible women that are so multidimensional. And to us, that's really what beauty is all about is it's not just when you're um, either on the court or on display, but it's all those in-between moments and how can we celebrate um, everything that you're bringing to your life as a, as, as a woman, as a professional basketball player, as a mom, as an entrepreneur, and how do we, how do we tell those stories? Um, and then we did partnership events. Uh, we sponsored signage on court, uh, did events to bring to games. So I do think kind of as the W is getting, gaining in its momentum, uh, Glossiers as well, and it allows us to amplify each of, each of our voices together. My last question on the WNBA, you mentioned, you know, that there's um, a larger proportion of Black women in the league and also queer women in the league. And something that I think is so special and unique about this is how rarely we see, especially that intersection of Black queer women elevated to beauty ambassadors. It's usually a holo- uh, A-list Hollywood actress. Um, how did Glossier think about that um, and putting these women who are you know, so much less frequently seen as the spokesperson for a beauty brand? Like, what, is, what does it mean to you to put these women in ambassadorship positions? I mean, I think it's at the heart of what this brand has represented from its, from its founding, which is how do we celebrate anyone who's on that beauty journey? Beauty to us is about a feeling. It's not about looking a certain way or being from a certain background. Um, and how do we allow 
a brand and enable a brand to celebrate you and um, not about being told you have to look a certain way or that you have to be excluded from something because of X, Y, and Z. And that ethos and those values have been core to our brand from the very beginning and continue to be a huge part of our brand positioning, but also the, the ethos in the company and what we believe in. And so we will continue to use our platform to make sure that we are a place that people can see themselves in our brand. They can be part of our brand. They're welcome at our brand uh, and that they can find products, experiences, and connectivity in our community in a way that hopefully fills up their cup and hopefully makes them feel um, a moment of joy that maybe um, people don't always um, feel in today's hard world. And, And how do we hopefully use that to accelerate broader change in the industry? And clearly with you guys continuing it, it's it's resonating. Can you tell me a little bit about, you know, like how it's resonating, the reactions you guys are getting from your community that have made it uh, worthwhile? Because at the end of the day, you know, you are CEO to continue to invest in this partnership. Yeah, I mean, it's been a huge response from our community and that we are and not just, I would say, both the industry, both our customer community, our stores and our editors. I, I think the the W uh, really represents, I think, so many of our values coming to, to life. And and yet we also think about all of our partnerships as a, as a mosaic. It's not just there's not just one dimension to this brand. So I think it's about how the sum of all of the parts, all of our partnerships, all of our impact work, all of our product product activations come together to really tell a story of the brand. It's about the fabric and the mosaic of our community and our partnerships in that network. And um, I think we're seeing obviously that resonate um, and translate to uh, the business momentum, the fact that we're uh, at the record high revenue that we've ever been. The the brand has never had more momentum. Um, Some of those parts are really resonating with, with the community and I think taking strides in the industry and we're excited about what it means for the future. Pivoting once again, um, the you guys have also had a, a little bit of a return to uh, even pre-Glossier roots with um, a much more regular cadence of content on Into the Gloss. Tell me about the decision to go back to, I believe, a once or twice weekly cadence of profiles there. Um, what's the strategy? How much of a priority is that? Um, and, and why now? Yeah, I mean, Into the Gloss couldn't be more part of our roots. Uh, when I think about Glossier's history and founding, uh, you know, Emily shooting uh, and, you know, creating notions like Get Ready With Me and Top Shelf. I mean, so much of our, even our beauty lexicon comes from things that came out of um, early days at, at Into the Gloss. And so, and the integration of content and telling people's stories um, outside of just the the Glossier product line, um, but really like in their bathroom, in their world, in their environment, how do we how do we bring those stories to life? Um, is a hugely powerful part of our brand, and we felt as we look forward to building the next ten years and and go forward, it was the right time to to tap into that and and continue to bring that to life in both a way that pays homage to where we were, but also continues to move us forward. So the types of partners and and features that we have. And you'll see, as you mentioned, every week we'll have a, a Into the Gloss, increasing the cadence of that so that we can really tell those stories, I think, in a really meaningful and impactful way. Anything we should know about how this iteration of ITG differs from ITG past? Oh, I think it's more, I mean, Ashley Weatherford is our editor and she's incredible, has incredible con- connectivity with the brand. And I think has a wonderful balance of how do we tap into where we've been, but also we're always trying to think about what is the consumer and what is the community? Where's beauty industry going? How are we looking up and out and moving forward? So I think it's uh, a wonderful balance that she brings a great editorial lens to say, you know, how do we structurally kind of tap into what makes 
into the gloss so special and unique from our founding, but really how are we moving it forward and evolving it for today's modern beauty consumer with what's happening uh, in the beauty landscape and how do we tap into that and bring those stories to our community in a really independent way that I think gives a lot of authenticity and a lot of substance to our brand. Uh, we have a lot of authority, but it's important that we're not always just talking about Glossier, but we're talking about kind of the, the whole world. That's always been really core to Glossier's ethos. We don't expect everyone to have a full top shelf of Glossier products. It's about where we fit in your life and how do we we then use into the gloss as a way to showcase and highlight those lives and the multidimensional women that are leading them and use it as a lens to stay connected with figures that are relevant in culture, relevant in beauty, and are and are uh, that's always been really core to Glossier's people-powered ecosystem is telling stories of people that we think are moving culture, are moving the industry. And this enables us to do that, I think, in a really authentic and powerful way. Yeah, it's so true. No one has a top shelf of one brand anymore, like in the world, how I feel like that changed from like the era of like people having like their three-step um, like clinique system like 30 years ago or whatever. Um, so there have been some teases on Glossy's Instagram. So clearly there's um, more newness up your guys' sleeves. Tell me what what we should know. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, well, we're so excited for 2024. We've got a, a really robust pipeline across the board. I would say our brand and product, brand activations, partnerships, and product pipeline across categories. So you've seen some of our product launches come to market that we've talked about today. Uh, we've got some exciting things happening in fragrance and in makeup and in skincare. So uh, really excited about uh, the product pipeline and what's to come. That uh, has been a big part of our strategy over the last few years is really refocusing in on elevating product and, and continuing to to move forward on what we're launching uh, while we're continuing to celebrate our superhero products like our known fours, uh, like Boy Brow and Glossy AU. So you're going to see both a combination of celebrating our icons and adding dimension to those and then launching new new products, uh, kind of full to world fully new to world products. Um, and then I'm really excited about uh, continuing to expand our experiences. So uh, we are opening, you may have seen a little tease of a new store maybe happening in Vegas, which I'm really excited about. Um, as we think about experiential, there's no place quite as experiential as Vegas. So continuing to um, roll out new brand and, and retail experiences, that's hugely important to our brand and quite different than any other beauty brand. Very few other beauty brands uh, have stores that really puts us, I think, in, in an echelon with brands outside of beauty and outside of our space. And, and the community certainly voted on those in 2023 when I think about those lines around the block or the merch, uh, the merch part of our business. So you're going to see more exciting things on the experience side, not just the product side. Uh, and then we'll be continuing our impact work, as I talked about, and continuing to propel Glossier globally. So really excited about what's to come. So Vegas was um, a location that the community was asking for. Yeah, we always are listening. You probably see every time we launch a new location, people are, are putting in their votes for where we oh, should yeah. go next. So we always take a combination of what's right for the brand. Where can we really bring an out-of-the-box experience? Um, I think that's something, certainly a place like Vegas allows our creative team to really dream and think about what, what a mm. retail experience can be in a place like that that feels like... Um, maybe not real life. Um, so a little bit of fun. <laughs> you know, fun is always a really important part of our brand. You saw that in the You Look Good tour. Fun and, and really thinking out of the box from an experience standpoint. You saw that in our Realms of You pop up in London, you know, where we really did ASMR and really immersive experiential retail. So um, we're always going to be pushing the envelope around what's next in experiential retail. How do we think about um, inspiring our community with experiences? And I think uh, you're going to continue to see exciting things from us on the experience side uh, this year and the years to come. 
And can you share when that location opens? It'll be in the first half of this year. Okay. Okay. So still possibly sometime. Um, amazing. Thank you so much for coming on today. So excited to have had you and we'll be looking forward to more launches coming for the rest of the year. Thanks so much, Sarah. It's always such a pleasure to be with you and uh, looking forward to staying in touch and we'll talk soon, I know. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Glossy Beauty Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help us out. And of course, visit glossy.co slash beauty for even more coverage of the beauty industry. Bye.